prairies. Home of the, the prairies. Riders, the Rough Riders. Rough Riders. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Go Rough Riders. Yeah. Was there something with the CFL where they had two teams with the exact same name or something? I think yes, no. yeah, yeah, Rough Riders. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. They only have eight teams. Two of them have the same name. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, I grew up in Ottawa, so it was the Ottawa Rough Riders. Okay. And I think it's Renegades now. It might be something else. I don't know. And right. then Saskatoon uh, kept the name Rough Riders. <laughs> okay. Interesting. All right. So uh, some CFL uh, trivia for folks. Yeah, but I might have given the wrong answers. So so we were at CSAM and we're going to talk about what we were excited about learning about yeah. uh, at the conference. We talked about how I was excited to see a lot of people because a lot of people who work in addiction are very isolated mm -hmm. or work with people who use drugs are very, very isolated. So it's good to hear about other people's practices, right? Um, but I don't know if there was any talks you were looking forward to or that I was looking forward to hearing. Yeah, I didn't, um, right, because I mean, so much of what, uh, yeah, it's tough because I, the one presentation you were talking about uh, that's happening right now or happening in a half an hour is on uh, basic OAT, right? Yeah, I mean, they may talk about more advanced stuff like SROM and the evidence for, evidence against, you know. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I know the, uh, one of the presenters. Isn't it labeled uh, basic OAT? Well, it's, it's, oh, let me check. I think I'll take your word for it, but I think No, but it says, it says OAT, it says, it's, it's called like opiate agonist treatment. It's at noon. Okay. So, but I mean, that's fine. So that's... Um, it's called the path to recovery. Um, path to recovery with uh, OUD, so discussing elements to measure, monitor, and support the patient's recovery journey. All right. It doesn't even have the full name on it. And, uh, but this afternoon, uh, we're both doing a talk together. We are doing a talk together, and so this is a training-led session, so we're both on the conference committee, and there's two uh, very keen uh, trainees that are there, and they were like, we wanted to do a session with uh, people that have lived experience. Uh, they felt that uh, in medicine, sometimes you only learn about uh, you know, epidemiology, pathophysiology, you don't really learn people's uh, stories, and they thought it'd be worthwhile just to do that, right? And so. It's designed like a pizza session that's supposed to be informal. We have three people, uh, which you're, you're one of them. And I'm more in the background, and so the two colleagues are just going to basically ask some questions about the person and try to take some knowledge that they can bring back into their practice. And depending on the audience, you know, maybe it's, if it's five people, it'll be smaller discussions. If it's 50 or 100, it'll be larger, uh, larger groups. But the whole idea that the audience can learn from people that are either using or have used uh, drugs or alcohol and improve the quality of care they provide. You know, so I'm really looking forward to it. I I think like in the future, we need a bit more strategic in how we do it, right? So uh, we might want to look at national organizations for people with lived experience. We might want to bring some of those people in. Maybe have some people that have had family members uh, that struggle with, uh, with addiction. Because uh, I think it's really important to have diverse viewpoints because when you think about our own lives and other people, like when change happens, it's not like there's one formula. Right, when people like sort of change, make a decision, I'm not doing this or moving towards that. So I, I'm really looking forward to that in the informal conversation for that we're, we're gonna have there. Yeah, no, I'm looking forward to it too. And there's, uh, I know that uh, some of the, the, the participants or my, my kind of lived experience colleagues, they're coming at it from a completely different angle. I think one of them is uh, very involved in the 12-step AA program. Yeah, yeah he's, uh, he's heavily involved in 
the Saskatoon program. He has some rule in the organization. I'm not sure exactly what it is. I know when I called him, he was off to a conference, right? And he was yep. all energized after that, uh, that conference. So I, I'm really looking forward to that. I mean, the thing I love about AA is the um, you cannot recreate that level of community with any medical intervention. Right. Right. And one of the big things, you know, about people when they stop drugs, I mean, although I've not I'm not somebody with lived experience or whatever the term uh, of today is it's 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 like people talk about the substance being their friend they talk about their entire network being around the substance and with AA all of a sudden you get a whole new community that's also decided that they wouldn't want to move that substance away from their life right and so I can't think of a, a more powerful uh, healing uh, kind of thing so I'm really looking forward to that and uh, yeah and he refused to accept uh, any kind of um, funds for it right so he refused to accept funds he refused to accept a donation to AA. He refused to accept a donation in his name somewhere. Because I think AA, I didn't know this, has very specific policies uh, about um, uh, donations. It's it's supposed to be for people that um, struggle with alcoholism, don't, like built by people that struggle with alcoholism. Yes. And uh, so they don't actually accept external donations. So, I, I mean, maybe we can ask him a bit about that as well, right? Like, how can he do the work in a sustainable way that... Uh, allows for it yeah and then uh, and then the uh, so the and the other gentleman is coming at it from uh, uh, is um, his name is uh, yeah and you know he's got a great Dan. podcast yeah. yeah like he's so he's a he's got he's an exhibitor here uh, at the uh, conference he's got um, a, I think his channel is called hard knocks him and his wife mm -hmm. or partner I don't know if they're married or not have complimentary channels and their whole idea is to voice the stories of people with lived experience. Yeah. And it was so interesting. Like, he was saying that he's also, AA is what really helped him uh, recover. But, but also, he was saying that um, uh, he uh, wants everyone to have a voice. Everyone who struggled with addiction and whatever path allowed them to uh, recover or improve their, their life or people that work in the field and things that they're trying to change. And, you know, he was saying that a couple of people were nervous uh, and didn't want to come on his podcast because of some of the other people he's hosted. But he's like, they're really going to stick to their principles and allow all these people to uh, speak. Yeah. And if you look at, uh, I don't know if they're sponsors or collaborators, uh, there's diverse viewpoints in there as well, right? Like on his uh, billboard and stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I really like his stuff. I really uh, connected with his, uh, with his content. He, he just kind of has... Uh, you know, sort of these in-depth interviews with a series of people and yeah. everybody talking about their journey, which is a little bit different. Yeah, I mean, I was only able to listen to one or two because I find, you know, when I'm at work, I have my clinical hat. But when I'm, like, you know, watching a movie or watching a podcast, uh, I feel the emotions much more uh, strongly. And these, these recovery journeys hit me, right? So I find I can only have sort of so much... Uh, of it in a, in a dose, but it was it was moving. It was yeah. uh, it was empowering, uh, and I'm glad that somebody's um, being that um, uh, platform to allow for that voice to be out there. Yeah, and hopefully, uh, you know, with my perspective, kind of coming at it from a little bit more of a harm reduction perspective, and also working, you know, kind of very actively yeah. with, uh, you know, kind of the physician side of this. Hopefully, I will be able to kind of broaden that spectrum because I think that the, you know, these uh, the, all the you know the the the, the folks in the community don't really gain a full perspective of, of what addiction medicine necessarily has to offer sometimes. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's true. You know, and then the other the other thing is, you know, I think, like, that's why I also talked about how to do it again next time, right? Because part of me is thinking, like, um, uh, I mean, I don't know everyone's lived experience. Maybe they have it, maybe they don't. 
I mean, I wouldn't mind having somebody who used to or still uh, occasionally injects uh, opiates, you know, as a part of their uh, drug use. It would be great to have somebody of Indigenous uh, descent, you know, who can share us a bit about that, uh, those things that are uh, that, that, that community struggles with and uh, suffers with and suffers from. And, you know, I just, uh, there's so many ways to do it better, but this, this is the uh, first time, uh, actually, I, I can't say that because I haven't been there every year, but it's the first time I, I know of this explicit thing that's just about a, frank dialogue yeah. uh, as opposed to presenting studies and results, right? Like, so it's a special uh, informal uh, pizza uh, hangout uh, portion to discuss these things. So looks like fun. Looks like it uh, should be a good time. Yeah. And uh, so just generally about, you know, CSAM, so is it, what is it that, you know, kind of brought you out to Saskatoon? Oh, this time? Oh, so my wife grew up here, right? Okay. So my wife grew up in Saskatoon, uh, and uh, we were supposed to have it in Saskatoon about two, three years ago, and I was on the board in CSAM uh, at, that, uh, at that time. And I was waiting for this trip, right? Because I was like, oh, I can combine work and uh, family and stuff, you know? And so for this trip here, I thought I would literally be able to, to bring my kids. I thought my wife would come. I would come for the couple of talks I had to give, and then I would just hang out with my family the, the whole time. But, but my, my wife said no. My mother-in-law said no because she's, uh, she's hurt her knee, right? So she, she can't, like, <laughs> manage, like, the three kids. And uh, my wife's like, you're not going to take them to the conference and put them in the back with an iPad while you give your talk. It's, like, ridiculous. You can't watch three kids, right? But the, so, I mean, that, but the, the reason about CSAM, I think, I think I might have talked to you about this before, but there's just something about being connected to the community, seeing familiar faces, hearing about the work they're doing, and I'm always re-energized and inspired to go back at it after I talk to colleagues that are working in the, um, the field. Sometimes you get access to new data, but if you read the literature, you keep on top of different forums. It's rare that you really get new sort of uh, advice. You know, occasionally, sometimes the posters, you'll find a new way to start somebody on buprenorphine or, or with methadone. Or if you get somebody that works in a clinic, you can ask them, well, how do you set it up? What does the peer do? What does the caseworker do? How do you keep people in? How do you combine whatever safe supply with methadone, whatever it might be? You know, so occasionally when you talk to practitioners, you hear about how they do something and you can bring it back to your practice. So that's also sort of unique. But it's the, the evidence I find is, is there, right? You see it in all the, the papers. So if you keep on top of the papers, you don't need to be here. But it's more the relationships and networking and also hearing how they do it. Like, how did you do that? How did you deal with this? How did you deal with that? You know, uh, I mean, we just I just had a conversation with a colleague about uh, how to get psychiatrists to see their patients, right? And some of the challenges that they're having in terms of the referral process, uh, getting inpatient beds, all that kind of stuff. And this is stuff that you don't see in papers. You can't read on the news, but, but it's something that even if there's no solution, just the shared experience is helpful because it allows you to refocus uh, at home and it normalizes the, the problem, so to speak, you know. Yeah. And we'll see what happens this year because this is uh, the first year I'm seeing a lot of um, non-clinicians present. So typically it's always been like like physicians, right? And yeah. I think part of it, at the, the, uh, the initiative is because they've expanded their voting pool. So historically it's been an organization for addiction medicine docs. That's what it was, right? But now I think partially because, you know, there's no real national organization. There's a CRISM, but that's more like a research thing that has hubs all over. There's CCSA, but that's more at the policy level. Uh, there's nothing uh, directly for, for clinicians. And we were having a lot of like nurses, nurse practitioners, uh, social workers saying, hey, I want some kind of accreditation, right? Or psychologists saying, hey, I want some kind of accreditation, right? And so I think we're, they're really working 
hard to have that separate path, and that's why they're having a few policymakers speak here, a uh, few other people that aren't the, the typical uh, prescriber. Well, I think that's one of the reasons that uh, I joined CSAM a year ago, or almost a year ago, as their uh, kind of lived experience uh, yeah. advisor, I think, as they're trying to bring in yeah, different but, but perspectives. I mean, I mean, isn't, is, that, isn't that one of the reasons? That, that's I mean, exactly why. You know, and, and unfortunately, you know, I think two, three years ago, uh, when they had uh, their, their, their conference, um, there was a whole thing on Twitter where people were really upset because uh, the presenters were, what do they call it? They call it like mantles. So it was like all these sort of like white men. And so there was all these like posts on Twitter. I don't think I want to go. They don't have representation. They don't have this. You know, but in my mind, you know, I mean, like we're, we're trying to like have a place where people can meet and have a dialogue. And we take that feedback and we, 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 we do our best and then we just do better next time. And so what we found was the following year, I think we had more um, uh, representation, you know, in terms of the different speakers. And then this year, I think we, uh, we had the first person who identified Right, because we've had people with lived like there's a lot of dogs that used to use drugs, or maybe they still do, or all that kind of stuff. And in fact, you know, uh, sometimes that's what brings them into addiction uh, medicine. But but you were the first person that we had on the conference committee. I think part of it was I was at a few of those meetings, and and I saw how. Um, like the dialogue on Twitter just wasn't nice, you know, like, I mean, people, when, when you're trying to save someone's life uh, and you perceive other people as harming them or you see, like, you're going to get angry and there was all this, like, like comments where everybody was so angry at each other and I was like, you know, one of the goals uh, that uh, we had when we did our CSAM visioning four or five years ago we wanted to be the place uh, where we had difficult conversations and difficult dialogues. Like we felt this was the forum where people can sort of talk about it, hash it out, cover the evidence, uh, all that kind of stuff. And I think so. You coming was actually a two to three year uh, process, right? Where. Um, we had one year where we were concerned about the diversity, uh, equity, inclusion piece, you know, maybe it was around the time of BLM that was happening as well. And then a couple of years later, we just try to add to the representation. So I think just, and, uh, and you know, it's not like you're, uh, we, we did reach out to see if any member of CSAM had lived experience and wanted to come on as that representative. We didn't really get anybody to identify, self-identify that way, right? And right, so, and that's unfortunate. I think. Yeah, well, I mean, but it's the reality. It's but, where but we're I mean, at. It's not. I mean, maybe we just didn't look hard enough because there, there's uh, every province has a couple of docs who um, are very vocal about their addiction, how it really damaged their life. You know, uh, there was one in Saskatoon where we couldn't get her to come, but she's really well known, uh, and uh, she she had, she had trouble with alcohol, and she's a very public voice. But my point is that I think like it's it's one of those things where we do things and we try to do it better, and for that training event, you know. We, we're, we're doing it. I hope we'll do better next time. And, and with you being on the um, uh, conference committee, hopefully we'll also do it better next time, right? Because yeah. I think there's a few times when uh, we were setting up this training event and then we were chatting, like, hey, wait, you could just ask me. I would have I helped you set it up, right? Like, or yeah. if you wanted to. Like, uh, I think had I had you involved uh, in the beginning with it, uh, we would have we had more representation from different uh, drugs, right? Like yeah. people that used a different drugs or people from different uh, ethnic backgrounds or different... Uh, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's tricky and, and as you as you've you know we've talked about many times before I mean everybody's journey is a little bit different and I think even you know I, 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 I do know uh, you know I'm not outing anybody here but I, I do know a number of physicians that that that, that have addiction um, experience uh, for lack of a better expression and um, uh, but I would suspect that that their perspective would be significantly different too because they're still coming at it regardless from a a little bit more of a, a privileged position, right? Because uh, you know, I think an, 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 a physician that has, uh, well, anybody with uh, anybody with means, or possibly, you know, not that all doctors are of means, but uh, you know, has a different a different uh, perspective, and um, you know, um, 
the um, is it Matthew Perry? Is that the guy from Friends? Who's the Friends guy? Yeah, Matthew Perry. Okay. So I was listening to his his his. Uh, he's doing a biography tour right now, right? And and really promoting addiction and stuff. And he, I think he said he was in. Um, he he went to treatment twenty nine times. He's been in treatment twenty nine times, and um, and, uh, and 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 he's doing very well right now. Which is oh, good. Which, is, which, well. which is fantastic. Well, yeah. But but you wonder about our folks. How many of them have the opportunity to go to treatment twenty nine times before it works? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, my mind goes somewhere different. I mean, sure, yeah, absolutely. The, there's no opportunity sort of Tunis, you know, there. But I, I just, I wonder, like, what was the treatment he was going to? What, what was he, what was he paying for, right? And yeah. what were they offering there? You know, like, uh, I think, you know, when, when you have someone that that can pay, like, uh, I don't know, I don't know how much, ten thousand, thirty thousand, whatever it is for the month, um, there's this this effort or this collusion almost that occurs, where the the care provider wants you to do well, you want to do well. And, and sometimes doing well means having very difficult conversations, you know, and like looking in the mirror in a very uncomfortable yeah. uh, and way. Yeah, maybe and maybe they're not doing that. Well, actually, it? you know what, I'm, I'm making so many assumptions here, I shouldn't even say anything. No, no, of course, but, but, my, 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 but so the places my, my that are $90,000 yeah. for the, whatever that playing, it is, I don't, yeah, I don't, I don't outrageous know. amounts of money. Whatever they are, like, I just, I just, uh, I don't know what they're offering, how they're offering all this. I mean, they have to offer good things or people wouldn't go there, right? But, but that's one thing that I wonder. And then the other thing that I wonder, I don't know. Uh, at least in uh, Ontario, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, there, there's a weight, but like, there's programs people can get access to. You just have to line them up. You know, you get on a bunch of wait lists, and then, I mean, the problem is like, people are in those states for such a short period of time. Yeah. Right. I mean, so. And there's I mean, and there's the waiting list, and then they got to no, get into right, detox maybe, maybe ahead of time. You're, you're probably just thinking privilege, but but I'm thinking like, it doesn't matter the level of uh, wealth that somebody has. Uh, it's it's very difficult to. Um, I don't know the right word. Get somebody in a state where they're ready to to, to do the work and ready to 100%. participate. And and you know what? I've not I've not. It's not been easier for me uh, working with people that um, are, are very successful in life. I, at least from what I found. Oh no! I I it's mean, like, I'm coming like, from it a perspective of I had the means for a large yeah, yeah. portion of my life to go to treatment. I've never been to treatment. So I, yeah. I never, still never, never been to treat, never been to treatment in my life. So I can't share that lived experience with people. Um, but uh, yeah, because you have to be lined up right at that right moment and uh, have the means and and the uh, the opportunity to, to to be able to do that. And, and yeah, uh, but I mean, I mean, we, we 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 talked about this too. So even though you haven't been to treatment, you had intensive case management, you had harm reduction, right? You got housing, uh, you built. That's all treatment. I get that's yeah, right. So so now that's what they're saying. Like no, this counts as treatment. That's why they say housing first. That's why they say all that stuff, right? Right. So the the modern addiction care is yeah. uh, you you did get modern addiction treatment. Just yes. one well, one component. Absolutely. Yeah. And I wasn't. Yeah. But not the Matthew Perry. I, not not that. Yeah. 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 Not. Uh, yeah. So I mean that, that was that was a bit of a tangent, but I think it's important because it's just there, there's so many different viewpoints on all this stuff, and people are dying and people are suffering and people want to get better and sometimes people want to but they don't know how and some people don't want to they just they just uh, they're in the state uh, where they, they want different things you know mm -hmm. and uh, my hope uh, is that with whatever we end up doing either together or separately here. Um, people can see that we're coming in with the best intention uh, possible Absolutely. and we're very open to feedback to improve and so I'm nervous about the uh, trainee led people with lived experience session uh, but we're people are getting funds you know to come we're giving pizza and it's really sort of framed as a bit of a dialogue and I'm a bit nervous about the lack of um, uh, diverse uh, diversity in terms of ethnicity and uh, gender uh, and I'm or uh, and I'm also um, 
uh, nervous about the lack of um, diversity of different uh, uh, like substance use, right? Because I don't think we have people that are actively using. Uh, well, you don't have people actively using, but you have somebody. You've got a, you know, the I think you got uh, the alcohol people. You got uh, the crystal meth people. You got the, you got you got a variety of substances being. Yeah, represented. and I think uh, between the the three of you, at least uh, from in chatting with, uh, with 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 Greg, who's who's going to be there, um, they like. You guys, you guys know, right? So you've seen some of the suffering, you've seen some of the harm, you've worked with people alongside people, you know people that are trying to help this, and so you really have a good idea of the landscape. And, and it'll be really interesting to have the discussion with the people from Saskatoon, because a lot of those services we have in Toronto have been banned here. Right, so they're actually like some of these overdose sites. They're actually still operating illegally, and yes. uh, and it's a whole other world, right? And so, here in addiction medicine or addiction conference, we are the privileged, right? right? Because uh, whereas in Toronto now, because they've already been through the part where they're illegal for a couple of years, now it's just accepted. The government's giving money. Health Canada's giving money. Yeah, uh, I don't know if that's the case here. Right. So I mean, you've got. I, th I think for you know people joining us from all over the place, right? You've got you know Toronto, Vancouver up at this level. You've maybe got Saskatoon at this level, and then there's there's a whole uh, lot of people that have don't have any of that, yeah, right? Who knows? So I, I think most of most of the people in the U.S. don't have that privilege of, yeah. of any of that. So. The other the other reason that I'm excited, you know, to be here is that uh, this is the first time in a couple of years that I'm doing in-person workshops. So I used to do them all the time before COVID. I would do it for buprenorphine, motivational interviewing, psychotherapy for um, for addiction. Uh, and so there, there's two small workshops. One is an hour and 15, and one is an hour. And one I was supposed to present with a colleague, but some family stuff came up, so he wasn't able to come down. So I'm really curious how that workshop goes. And what are they? What are the workshops on? Uh, so one is on motivational uh, interviewing, okay. right, which... That's right in your wheelhouse? Well, yeah, that, that's definitely my wheelhouse. The other one is on uh, third-wave psychotherapy. So, okay. so you may or may not know about this. Um, with psychotherapy, the, the first wave is all that psychodynamic, Freudian, psychoanalytic uh, kind of stuff. Second wave is mainly the cognitive behavior therapy third waves are the ones where hey cognitive therapy is not cutting it let's bring in some other philosophies so there's acceptance commitment uh, therapy which was uh, really championed by this guy Stephen uh, Hayes right and he's a really charismatic guy when he speaks right like, and he's that's the act guy. that people are talking about act yeah yeah, yeah that, okay. that's exactly right. yeah 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 and so it's basically like CBT but there's a couple of different principles right so what's the goal of CBT CBT is all about changing your thoughts act is a bit different so act is like the thoughts aren't you. The thoughts are separate from you. What does it matter if your thought says I'm stupid or I'm an idiot or that? It's just a thought. It's not you. And so, so they separated from that. It's all based on this uh, world of acceptance, which you're seeing in MI is very, very, very powerful. And then the other part is it's much more creative than MI in terms of what comes out of your mouth. They have this really funky uh, circle-y thing that has six quadrants. Uh, and depending on what you say, if it works or doesn't, you just go to the other side. And so they have like, I even forget the six names, right? So you can ask about what's what's important to them. Uh, you can sort of diffuse the topic. There, there's all these like, it's all about communication strategies. And the Stephen Hayes guy, I went to this one conference and he had a drill that was designed for the practitioner to learn, act. So what do you do? He'd have a pretend patient. Some of the audience would be a pretend patient like right there. Uh, I would be in the and behind you, he would have a, a screen, right? That would randomly pop up something you're supposed to say, right? And so the person would be talking about anything and he would just try to say something related to that. Well, why is that important to you? Uh, how does that make you feel? Uh, what are you going to do next? And then honestly, after the 20 minutes, the guy was almost in tears because he had a cathartic moment. And so it's really this mastery with words. 
DBT is a little bit different. So DBT is more about skills, 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 skills. Like how do you get out of your emotion state to your logic state? Uh, how do you find a way to be more present in the moment? How to communicate with others? Then how to ride those normal emotional waves we have. And the magic with dialectical behavior therapy is that you actually break down what went that moment that you decided you were going to use that fucking moment where you're like i'm going to go i'm going to get drunk now or whatever that is and then you figure out what made them vulnerable uh, what were the steps the decisions they made oh i took a right instead of the left or had this thought instead of this uh, and then you go over the consequences and the consequences are really fun they're hard but they're fun to go through because it includes a line where you try to actually correct for the harms Right, so it's not just saying sorry. Can you think about it? like when you really fuck things up? Can you say, "Oh, I'm sorry, I did that." No, you actually have to fix it and make it better, right? And so it's just it's a really fascinating uh, therapy, and and I think like it's something that we could be offering more to some of these uh, patients, helping them learn how to manage. So I'm really excited about the two workshops. Great. I hope they give uh, feedback, right? Because that's the only way that like, in the olden days I used to bring uh, papers that would have people fill out. Yes, yes. Just because because that's how the talks got better, right? Like the ones yep. that you might have been to, they might have been the fourth time that I did the same talk, right? It's like a stand-up act where you got to like keep working on the material. But those are the things that I'm uh, excited about. Then we have our mini talk that we've already recorded the video for, but we're yes. going to do it in person, where we're just going to share uh, why and how it was helpful to have someone with lived experience directly on a clinical team providing direct clinical care. Yeah. And the one thing I'm not sure about, there's one paper, and I'll show it to you today, where it has a figure that says what the prescriber does, what the social work does, and what the peer does. And part of me thinks that when we give our talk, I should just put that screen on the background. Yeah, I'd love because, to see that, yeah. Because, because then, like, because right now it's a peer. Well, what is a peer? Like, do you say, hi, how are you? I'm a peer, let me help. Or do you have specific roles? Yeah. Right? And I think that's the part that's... Yeah, I think having those definitions, are, I think, are, 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 is key, right? Because I think that's one of the challenges in that clinical team is who does what? And especially when you're on a team with a lot of learners and they've never worked on a team that has a peer or a caseworker or a social worker or these different components of people and they don't know the nuanced differences, yeah, right? Yep, yep, and yep. so you don't want to, you're spending most of your time sometimes defining the role when, you well, know. I remember, I remember when we were on that WhatsApp chat and people would ask you to do clinical things and you're like, I can't do that, right? Or like uh, they'd have you do case management and stuff and you're like, ah, I'm not sure if I can do that. Right, know, right, right, and 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 it's it's all well meaning, but there are other, you know. So it's just a matter of I think I think when I think it's part of in, in any good clinical team, I think it's there should be an onboarding orientation where that sort of stuff is defined, right? And you know, and I know that uh, a lot of the learners have these these amazing charts which show them, you know, the uh, all the different uh, uh, the medications and stuff to sort of the, oh, they need a chart for what does a peer do? What does a peer do? What does a caseworker do? Oh, right? let's let's let's, you know? uh, let's make that chart. Or let's photocopy the one from that paper. <laughs> that sounds good. All wait, right. Wait, wait, but you didn't tell me why you're excited about. Why I'm excited about. Okay. Um, excited about anything? You're just like, oh, just try not to mess things up. <laughs> like no, I mean, I think, I, I mean, I'm excited about, you know, trying, you know, sharing the story. Like, I, you know, I think that the more people that hear about just generally about, you know, sharing my story about how people can, you know, come back from where I came from, right? I think that's so powerful. I, I still, I, you know, it never, it never gets tired for me. It never gets old for me watching people light up when they see, 
you know, from what depths I came from to, you know, rebuild. You see the hope. Then I you see, see the, the hope. hope. You see the hope and you see in their eyes that, hey, I can help. Because so, we all have worked with somebody that was not your exact level of uh, whatever depravity or whatever it was. But we've worked with people where we're yeah. like, how can we help them, right? And yeah. we, we don't know. And, and I think sometimes we don't, we don't, we, we think there's nothing we can do, right? And so, yeah. no, no, I, because I, I've seen those talks. I've seen look in, uh, looks in uh, people's eyes. You know, one thing, JP, that I, that I sometimes uh, remind myself, you know, when a medication is a good medication, they have this thing called the number needed to treat. And that means the number of people you'd have to give that medication to for it to have a benefit. So, for example, for heart disease, uh, to prevent a heart attack, I think about eight people have to go on those cholesterol drugs. So one, one of them, there's one less heart attack, right? And, and when we think Meaning about Meaning is, is the essence of that is that for the seven people, it may not be quite effective? Exactly. Okay. And that's a good drug. That's a, That's good, a drug. good drug, right? And wow. think about it. If we had an intervention where one in eight, we pulled them out, like that's like you know what I mean. Yeah. Like, but you need to think of those numbers, right? Because right. if you think every single one, you're like it's not working. Right. But if you think like all you need is like one in six, one in eight, one in ten, yeah, and and your job is worth it, yeah, boom. And, and that's what that's what people need. That's what all of our colleagues need. We need we need we need those stories so that we have hope. And then we need the steps on how to do how. And 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 because um, because I'm not convinced we know how to help the most vulnerable. It's the last thing I'm going to say. I almost feel like we need to try things out and figure out how to figure out what was the part that worked and how to keep that there. Yeah. Because that's the thing that I think is missing. You know, we get stuck in these philosophies and we forget that, okay, okay, maybe AA is great, but maybe the first time somebody comes in and forcing them to say they're powerless to God or whatever might not be the best approach. And some people have figured it out, right? Because you go to different rooms, they have different approaches, but it's, yeah. it's that. So, sure. so maybe let's go enjoy the conference. Yeah, let's do it. Mm -hmm.